Hi, you're listening to the Colour Tour podcast. My name is Warren Eagles. Colour is based in Australia. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to colourists at different locations around the world, finding out what they've been working on, what tools they're using, and what inspires them in the location where they're living. In this episode, I'm talking to colourist Vincent Taylor. He's just arrived in Manhattan and is working at a new post house called Chimney, New York. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside, you can see every possible color. I'm with uh, Vincent Taylor, and Vince, you're in Manhattan. How did, how did that work? Yeah, it's a kind of a it's, it's, a, it's a roundabout way of getting here, really. I um. I was working in Shanghai, in China, for NBC, there for, um, for three years, as it turned out. Then my contract was winding up last year, and I knew that three years was enough in China. It was great, but, you know, it's time to move on. Then, pretty much out of the blue, uh, I got contacted by the guys here. They had originally contacted a colleague of mine in Asia, said, hey, we're setting this thing up, do you want to come on board, and, you know. And he, and he couldn't, his circumstances didn't allow it. Um, and uh, he knew that I'd already planned to come to the States. And so he put my name forward, they looked at my reel and said they were interested and that's it. I mean, you know, it kind of just, it all happened very, very quickly. How do they let you in here? You sound pretty Australian to me. I am, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm so Australian. Um, I was born in San Diego, in California. Yeah. My folks were both Kiwis and they, they did a big adventure, big travel around the States for 12 years actually. And my sister was born in Ohio when I was born in San Diego. And then just before I turned one year old, they went, ah, let's go back to New Zealand, bring the kids up in New Zealand. So I grew up in New Zealand and then moved to Australia in my early 20s, uh, actually to go to the Victorian College of the Arts to do the films film degree there and then fell in love with um, Australia fell in love with my now wife who I met in Melbourne and um, yeah yeah so so I've got this this depending on who you talk to some people I'll speak to and they'll go straight away they go oh you're from New Zealand because some words you know and and other people are, oh you're from South Africa and I go no no I'm not that's yeah. next that's next yeah South Africa's next so mate it's a huge job I mean we're at home this is what this place and it's pretty much a startup place it's a new color grading place yeah now Hot off the press, um, uh, it's not it's not released publicly yet. Although it might be by the time that this podcast comes out. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be uh, Chimney New York, and we've got a sister um, company in LA. So yeah. So and so you're primarily commercials, right? So I've known you a bit of backstory. The guy I met Vince back in Australia in in Melbourne, probably I don't know, fifteen years ago nearly, and we mm. used to cross paths and freelance at different places. So. We work together. So you're traditionally back a film guy, telecine guy. I sort of class colorists in two sort of schools. Those those who spend hours looking at film and lacing up machines and playing with film cleaners, and the people who have come from the newer, more digital age that have sort of not had that experience. You're from that more older school. Like yeah, there. yeah. I'm from. Um, I mean, my. I mentioned that I, I went to film school in Victoria. So I, I my final year there, I, there I actually specialised in cinematography. So I started off as a a DIP, I was shooting for about six years, and again, those were film days, that was all, you know, 16 mil for the most part for me, um, and then I crossed over, yeah, into the world of telecine, so I was still working with film and dealing with film, and a fantastic foundation to have come from, in my opinion. Um, it, it's a really interesting one, because <coughs> I constantly get asked about the film look, and how do we achieve this, and <laughs> what do you do, and I, I sort of have this theory that having sat and watched so much film and worked with film and laced it up and graded it, there's a certain something that you just sort of do and you sort of recognise that 
is how it was. Do you think there's a bit in that? Do you think that makes it easier that you've worked with film and coloured it? Do you recognise certain things in it, or do you think that's... Oh, I, I, I absolutely recognise things in it. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's a good question, though, whether or not it, whether it makes you a better colourist or not. I don't know. I, I think that the what does make you a stronger colourist, again, in my opinion, is, is having to have worked through certain restraints. And in those days, there were definitely restraints, you know, with uh, whether that's just a linear restraint of having to zoom all the way at the end of a roll. Uh, and come back again and, and you know and that teaches you the use of time and how to you know work with uh, work with pictures and um, down to being limited to your tool set you know we used to have three shapes you know to three three power windows and and that was it so it teaches you it, it often makes me think do you, do you remember or have you heard of the white gloves festival in, in Australia no. it was a, it was a super eight festival and basically on I think a Friday night uh, you'd get given a roll of film, or a, a, a cartridge of Super 8 film, and over, and then they would give you a theme, much like you know the, how Chopfest does these days and stuff like that. But um, they'd give you a theme, and over that weekend, in the camera, you had to shoot a film. Now, creatively, people would come up with some incredible things, and that discipline and that restraint of storytelling had some wonderful side effects. And I think that discipline and restraint is something that a lot of people, and I am massively generalising, aren't aren't getting so much these days, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really glad that I came from that background. Mm. It, it taught me so much. No, I think you're right with the discipline. I, I see it a little bit through the training company where people use 15 nodes when six would do mm. because you can and uh, a lot of the time you're just looking at things and you're thinking why you've just mm. overworked this with your layers or your stacks or whatever you've done oh yeah because in previously you couldn't you didn't have the options to do that you worked away and you worked those primaries so hard from yeah. what you were working with so that that's sort of a change and that is i think some people feel they they have to justify what they're doing in their job as the colorist and they have to almost throw the kitchen sink at it to try and get a director to go oh wow look what i've been doing mm. So I'm looking around. You've got a resolve, but you've used Baselight. You've used other systems, haven't you? Does this I, work all? I started off using a Pogel. Yeah, yeah I remember. Um, yeah, in the days with the um, Ursa um, yeah. 2K, and, and then I was on. Um, then I went to DaVinci 2K, yeah. 2K Plus, and then I was on a a Luster for a very brief amount of time, for maybe 18 months, two years. I yeah. played the Luster, and then yeah, I, I was on Baselight for a couple of years as well, and then the last. Since I went freelance, which, oh gosh, I guess it's maybe five years ago, I've really been predominantly on Resolve. And when I moved to the USA, I thought that I'd be going back into Baselight World just because a couple of the companies I was looking at had Baselight. Um, but as it turned out, I'm, I'm, I'm still on Resolve. So who else is grading here? Is it just you? you got other guys grading? No, so, so one of the owners uh, um, who, who brought me over, uh, Les Raj, um, who was working for Nice Shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beautiful colorist, yeah, amazing colorist. Lovely stuff. Um, so, so he's here, and then um, we've got a, another fellow who's our junior colorist, Cody. So it's, it's the three of us, basically. We're, we, and we're, we're specialized, if you I actually don't like that word, but we, our focus is color. Yeah. yeah that's what we do. So, actually, actually, I had a, someone come in the other day, they were getting shown around the place, and they said, oh, this is Vincent, he's a colorist. And they said, oh, what else do you do? <laughs> and I said, 
Mate. Uh, just colour, actually. That's it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> bit of washing up. Bit yeah, a bit of washing up. Yeah. Bit yeah. of beer drinking. Oh, it's you know? a bit like that, isn't it? Now, especially if you're freelance, you know, you don't yeah. have to put a few hats on. Yeah, it's true. I it's try true. not to put too many hats on, but yeah. so in working in here is yeah. primarily commercials is what you're doing is that your focus yeah yeah it is um and i mean for the, for the last three years especially uh, in shanghai i was only working on commercials it was just a commercial um setup um so and coming here um at this stage again it's commercials but there there's little things other little things niggling away as well i've, I've actually just finished a feature documentary on the amazing musician uh, Dion Warwick, okay. uh, which is man, that was a fan- it was a really fantastic documentary and a great introduction to coming back to America, uh, the very least of which uh, um, grading um, African American skin tones, which I haven't had to do for such a long time. So that was awesome, you know, that was really really wonderful to, to deal with different skin tones and, and um, but yeah, predominantly we're, we're commercials here. And did you did, did you have much of a say in the hardware that you bought down to your monitoring or what you're looking at for the clients or what was that down to was that the, your colorist got together and went this is what we're going to use? No, they they already had a very clear idea of, of the way that they wanted to set up. Yeah, I've I've had the last three years of, of grading on a a fantastic Dolby monitor, a huge bloody thing. It's huge. Yeah. Now I've come back to the, the Sony OLED, which I love it. I love the little OLED. It's it's crisp. It's clear. It's got a great viewing angle. It's you know it's. Yeah. Um, I think for the price, it's actually a bloody good monitor. But yeah, all pretty much the the setup, the way that they set it up was already baked in. The only thing I had to say on was was how the room was kind of set up. How we're a little bit limited with the shape of the room. How you were going to deal with clients and where they were going to sit. But just room lighting and you know this is one of the first rooms in my life I've worked in that actually has windows. Um, so it was it was pretty cool to have the option to just blank the windows off and have them optional so I can pull the blinds up during the day and yeah. you know it's wonderful it, and it, it, there's there's something quite theatrical or it's almost like lifting the curtains when the show's over <laughs> you know by opening the curtains say alright everyone thank you very much you know yes, it's, it's, yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite cool off you go off you go <laughs> let me render <laughs> yeah. so we're running this the, this commercial here that we've got up on your on your monitor here now tell us a little bit about this obviously we're going to link to this in the notes somewhere Mm. Yeah, this is this commercial uh, is for um, SunTrust, and the setup is basically a, 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 a little girl who steals the show of this ice skating competition. There's a lot of crowd replacement um, effects that uh, were done in by Chimney in LA. As per usual, there was zero time to get everything done because everything got crunched at the last minute. Um, but the great thing is that they 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 had some references. Yeah. And they had a few other things going on in that mix and everyone was feeling quite pressured and hectic about it. But I had about an hour or an hour and a half before everyone came in the room. So I kind of, I had the opportunity to look at the references um, and then put my spin on that. I find it's always a really lovely uh, luxury to have a look on the pictures when people come in the room, yeah. you know? So they, they, they already have their preconceived notions of where they want to go, but I, I really like doing it that way. So I had that, and, and they came in, and they went, oh, oh, this looks good, oh, and you love that, I love that when, when people get excited straight away, because you go, ah, we're on the right track. You yeah. Know? So, um, the, yeah, the creative director, and actually that whole team were open to a true collaboration, which, which oh man, for me, it's a celebration. I, I love it when you actually get to collaborate, and it makes it special. And what's this shot on? 
This is all the mini or the um, okay. mini. They sh I think it's 3K from memory. Do you get like a bake file, all the visual effects in it and grade it like that? Or do you conform everything back to the RAWs with the visual effects as DBX or EXRs? Yeah, the latter. So, okay. so I, I, I'm always going back to the RAWs. The effects pipeline is an interesting one because it does seem to vary. But this time around, uh, we actually graded everything and then the crowd effects were put over the top. Okay. Which prior to that um, hasn't always been the case. Um, prior to that, I've done things like I've, I've built a LUT. The effects team have worked with the LUT and then I've done my tweaks yeah. on top of that. But uh, for whatever reason, they went down the path of letting me grade it first and then putting the effects on. Personally, I love that way because then I get to finalize my look and then yeah. they work around my look. Yeah, I mean, you some know? of it's quite dark in the background. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? But does so that make that easier for I, them? Do you think? If I, I would have thought no. I thought it, I would have thought, thought it would have made it really difficult. But they've done it, and, it, and it's come up really. I mean, look at that. The, it's come up really, really well. This, and who did this? This is Chimney. This is Chimney in LA. In yeah, they were like cursing that. you the other day when I spoke to them. Yeah, About. yeah. I do. I do need to pay my instalment. I pay a monthly instalment to stop the cursing. Apparently, but I missed you, that month. You just, you know, yeah. lost all the detail. Yeah, and what was well. he thinking? And I know. Like blew in the shadows. They had to match all your grades. Yeah. But they do love me. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So the, the big difference between Australia and here, and I don't know about Shanghai, you don't have a gra director grading here, do you? Director's shot and gone. So gone. gone. I, I haven't seen a... I and for us, seen, that's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty... Yeah. So we had the creative director in for the SunTrust commercial. So now I've only been here four months in the United States, so it's, it's still uh, very early in the learning curve. But yeah, I, I so far touch wood. I, I, I'm really enjoying the, the way it's working creatively and you know with, with that team of people. And I really do enjoy, and obviously this is um, selfish and biased on my part, but I love the fact that they place value on the colorist. You know, that I love the fact that they come to you going, hmm, maybe this person knows what they're talking about because they've been working with color for 18 years or whatever. Yeah. Which is something that was kind of lost in China. In, in China, when I was working, it was more a here's the reference, make it look like that, even though we didn't shoot it like that, and um, push that button, push that button. And, and a lot of that uh, creative collaboration um, was lost, which is a shame, you know, because, I mean, you, you should be going to see a professional, and we were talking about wearing a lot of different hats. Well, surely if you're going to see a specialist, they must know what they're talking about, you'd hope, anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's nice that there seems to be that appreciation here. And I think Australia's a bit in between. I think a little bit it's been lost and there's certainly people picking up colour mm. tools that probably weren't colouring a while ago and producers sometimes struggling to see the difference. Yeah. They don't have the budgets, they know they need a colourist but they're thinking, well, you know, it will be okay. And I find sometimes until you can actually show them what it could be or what it was, they go, oh, mm. oh really? Mm. Okay, but sometimes their hands are tied. And do you, do you find the sessions here a bit more pressured, more sort of laid back, and it sounds like you may be enjoying it a little bit different here, and there you've got a bit more respect, mate. I think that, that this, and again, it's early days, but I, I think the climate here is maybe a little bit more suited to my temperament and my personality. You may be, just, just backing up a little bit what, what you were talking about there about the way it works in Australia. So, so when I left Australia, which is, I think, four years ago, and I was freelancing there, um, and I, I was at the stage there where every man and his dog was a colorist, and, and I don't know how much that's changed now, but everyone was color grading, and a lot of jobs for clients that I, that I had been grading with in the past stopped coming. They started going, either editors were grading or yeah. Joe Blogs down the road. And look, I know I'm biased, but I could see it on air. 
I could see this inconsistency of stuff on air. And um, now, just prior to when I left, I, I, that started changing a little bit. Some of those people started coming back to me again. Uh, one, hopefully, for the work I was doing, but the other side of it is I was fast. I was really fast. Exactly. You know, so they, they might have been getting it much cheaper, but from what I heard, it was taking longer, and ultimately, it didn't look as good. Yes. Some, look, some people will never care. If they're, if they're meeting their, their bottom line and financially it's going, ah, oh, this is cheaper, you, you'll never change their mind anyway because for them it's not about, you know, it's just about the dollar. But, um, yeah, it's such a fascinating, like the psychology of how it's changed and, and that balance between, of course people want to save money and they, they you know, want to get it as cheap as they can and all the rest of it. But, yeah, hopefully the value is, is still being appreciated. Um, is it, is it being appreciated more back in Australia, do you think? Or, or? I think it's coming back a bit. You've got the, the, the usual people, and it tends to be the, the bigger type budgets where they, they sort of accept you know what you're doing. But on the, on the lower things or with the, the newer directors, sometimes I just find that, that they want you to just keep going. You're trying to achieve something that's not there. Yeah. Because they've got high hopes, and everyone's got really high hopes of whatever they do. Yeah. And uh, I find that the other thing I sometimes find is that a director will say to me, can you look at this? I don't think it's, there's maybe something wrong with the edit or it's something they don't like. And it's not often the edit, it's maybe the color doesn't quite match properly and something's jarring them out of it. It's not necessarily the car, just things don't match. Yeah, right. And that's clicking them out of it. And it's something they're not, they don't know yeah. what it is. That's and that can just throw people out of things. Like you said, you see things on air there. Because so much more is colored by mm. so many more people. Mm. Uh, that's something that has, has changed quite a bit, I think. I um, I had a situation in Shanghai when I was working and uh, for this commercial, and, and again, the, everyone came in with their references, uh, and it was basically a, a day for night studio shoot. I put in a place, and I thought it looked pretty good, you know. And everyone came in, and they worked it, and worked it, and reworked it, and reworked it, and reworked it, and just kept going wherever you think the wherever you think the boundary is. They just kept going. Finally, I uh, I stopped what I was doing. I turned around and I said, hey, listen, everyone, time out, time out. I need to say this to you professionally. If you don't want to take it on board, that's fine. I'll just keep going. But I need to say it because otherwise I can't keep going. At the moment, your picture is starting to solarize. You are starting to push it so hard. And I pointed to the edge of the frame where it's actually starting to break up. Um, and, I, and I said, your picture wasn't designed to go this far. You know, it just, you know. And I advise that you, you pull it back a bit. And they're all nodding and they're listening to me and they went, okay. Okay, let's keep going. And I went, okay. And I turned around and I just, you know. And of course what happens then is you you become a technician. You do what people tell you and you go, all right, you want it a bit brighter, there you go. And that creativity and that advice you know is not being taken on board, so you stop giving it and you go, and, and that's awful. That's awful. I, I, I don't want to work like that. No, no that's yeah. a hard one. Did, it, what did, it, did you see it when it went on air? Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in, in Shanghai, actually, I, I, I seldom saw anything on air. Um, I, I'd usually see it in the back of a taxi. Yes. That's, that's normally how you see your work. Um, I, I broke my all-time record in Shanghai for the number of times that I graded something. Really? Yeah. There was a car commercial, 30-second car commercial, that I graded 17 times over the space of two months. Different sessions? Yep. Coming back, yep. make changes. Yep. Different sessions. They come in and say, "Oh, yeah, we've now shown it to the cleaning lady, and she thinks it should look like this." And and then the, in the final session, um, I brought the creative up from or whoever it was from Beijing, and he sat there. And then I found out afterwards that he complained about me because I wasn't offering anything new. 
after 17 times. Yeah, and, 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 you know, l luckily my producer stood up for me and went, whoa, 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 back off, pal. You know, it's... it's you slack events. You yeah, I know. Like, What's wrong with you? I know, I am. Crikey. So, uh, but it's, um, it's been, it's been, I'll tell you what, it, it has been a wonderful, wonderful education to work in Shanghai. And, and I got to work on some great, great shows and, and some great things, but just a very different way of working and um, it taught me a lot. So someone up and coming who's maybe done a couple of years you're just about into that senior role. Would you recommend going into Asia or going somewhere like that and just cutting your teeth? You're going to be busy. Would you recommend that? I would. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, it really does depend on your, on your temperament and, and what you want. I mean, I, I went there because I, I was craving something new and something, a, a new experience. I, I, I kind of felt I'd hit the ceiling a little bit. And um, <clears throat> it was a little bit like throwing cold water in my face to go over there and go, oh, wow, this is, you know... When I first started grading, I've been grading for about three years, my confidence was starting to build. Confidence is incredibly important in this job, oh, yeah. you know, you need it. Um, yeah. And it was starting to build, I was starting to, you know, feel pretty good about myself. And um, I haven't got the specifics right in the story, but, but basically a director came in, we were grading away, and he or she said, um, oh, you know, it's got to be much, much more yellow. In my head, I went, you are kidding me, really, you know. But trying to be professional, so I said, sure, no problem. It looked fantastic. It would, whatever that choice was that they made, I remember my head went, oh, you idiot, Vincent. You've got to listen to people. You know, at least try, you know, that's the thing about collaboration. And there's these singular lessons that I've had in my career that, that stick in my brain. That's one of them. You yeah. Know? And another one is just the experience of being in Shanghai and, and experiencing a very different way of working. And it's good. It's good. It keeps you fresh and it keeps you interested. And yeah. Oh, I think so, yeah. And I think that's important. Uh, there's one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about. How, like here, you've only been here for a few months. You're really fresh. In Shanghai, same room, every day, people coming in. How do you keep fresh and upbeat and just don't get downtrodden and just go, oh, my God, another job? Like, Some, sometimes I would get downtrodden. You would? You yeah. just go, this is Sometimes tough. I would. Sometimes I would, you know. And again, unfortunately, that is coming back to a personality type as well. Um, I would describe myself as a very creative colorist. And whether or not that ticks a cliche box of being more susceptible to you know those moods taking you in certain directions yeah sometimes i would get downtrodden but the thing that that, that definitely always brings me back every time is i is i get excited you know i'll something i'll, I'll start working on something and i'll get excited or I'll, or a director will come in who will be so enthusiastic yeah. it could be yeah. you know i've had a student come in the room or something like that and they're so excited and you can't help it no. You know, my foundation for everything I've ever done, whether it was cinematography or colour grading, has always been storytelling. And for me, I'm a storyteller. I love it. Yeah. You know, and uh, when I get lost in a project, even if it's a bloody KFC commercial, you know, but if I'm in that moment, yeah. then I, yeah, I come out the other side. And, and this, it's brilliant when you do, you do some work and you see the director, whoever it is, and their eyes light up. I go, yeah, 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 that's it. That's the look I want. And it's really satisfying. I love that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's good fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I think as, uh, as long as you've got that, that's good because there's so much variety in the stuff that we're doing. And I've always been one of those graders who tended to grade everything from, you know, long form right down to a, you know, little tiny Super 8 music video or something and everything in between because mm. I always like doing all the different things. And with those different genres, you've got different directors and you work with different characters and they were very different than people doing the documentaries that were doing the music videos. That's true. So it's, it's, it's changing, and I still like that. I still like the just working with so many sort of different characters, and 
It's just a collaboration at the end of the day, isn't it? That's all you're doing. Oh, you're trying to make a better film totally. for the director. So, I, don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes if you're in a session and maybe the client's you know, quite demanding or something like that, and, and sometimes internally you might go, oh man, I wish I could just grade this by myself. And then what'll happen is you'll get a job and they'll say, look, the director trusts what you're doing, you just do it by yourself. And they're the worst. When you grade by yourself, yeah, they're yeah. actually the worst because yeah. you don't have someone to bounce off. No, you're thinking, is this gonna be all right? Is it right? Oh, I don't know. And then you start, you know, but to have somebody to bounce off, yeah. is oh, it's it's great it's really good yeah I, I, I agree there sometimes it can seem easier if you've got no clients and they send you a few references but because you can't get anyone to yeah, bounce ideas and anyone can really lock it off and you play a bit of internet ping pong with files mm. and things that can obviously take longer mm. than if they're actually there going yeah show me that I like what you're doing that's mm. great mm. and work a few things through put it up on a few shots now I, th I think the question you asked earlier about you know, advice to up and coming colorists. One of the one of the best things, best piece of advice, which sounds ridiculously simplistic, is just listen. Now, listen to your clients. Now, whether that's body language or even if they say, "Ah, oh, it's not right," then go fishing. Go fishing. You know, find out why. Why, why doesn't? Why isn't it right? Why isn't it? You know. And, and that's another thing. Even though when they say they like it, you can sort of know they don't like yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and you can tell. And that's one of the things with being in the room which you don't get with a remote grading thing because you are not sitting back with a person, you're not looking at them, you're not listening to them. Mm. You sort of know when they really like something. Mm. And they might be going, yeah, they're worried about the time or the clock or mm. the producer's there, but you can tell. And that's how you build that relationship, which is a harder thing with doing remote sessions because you're talking on the end of a phone or a Skype and they could be going, yeah, yeah, it looks great, looks great, but so well, no, it's not and you could maybe do something else. We well, you know it doesn't take too long to offer up something else but that's how, that's what the whole relationship thing's about, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, cool, man. So, so we go to your favourite bar now, do we? Yeah, right. All right. Let's do that. All right, mate, cool. And are you enjoying the, 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 the town? Do you feel that, yeah, is it an inspiring place? I would imagine it would be an inspiring place to work. Um, look, it absolutely is. It's New York City. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but like... Uh, don't get me run over, will you? No way. You know, little Aussie boy in a big city. I feel like crocodile Dundee walking around there. Yeah, you just you just pull out your big knife, right? Isn't that the cliche? Um, uh, look, the the thing from a colorist perspective, moving to a new
and they use heaps of split screens and it works, it really works. And the color grade is gorgeous, you know? And so of course you do what you always do and you, you look to see who the colorist was. And, yeah. um, and you know, it's, it's, it's done in the States and you, and you just feel a bit closer to some of that action, which is quite exciting. There's a lot, I mean, I'm just hearing about Apple's plans for streaming, about what Disney are going to be doing, and the quality of some of these shows. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it's certainly good. I mean, I like, what's this place? This is Desmond's, Desmond's. Tavern. Desmond's Tavern, on, I think we're on Park Avenue. Park we? Avenue? Yeah. What is it, mate? Yeah. So, uh, this is the local. Cool, man, let's go. All right. The International Colorist Academy has been around for 10 years. We won classroom training at different locations around the world. So not only do you learn from instructor, you learn from other people in the room, such as HDR, ASUS, advanced software, looks and designs. So take your grading forward and take an ICA class, iColorist.com. Yeah, so uh, I think we're, talk we're talking about monitors, so I don't know what we're up to. But... Oh, just the fact two monitors in the room and you can eyes and left to see yours. Yeah, the, the, other, the other good thing about that setup is that the way wiring's set up, the, the client can't see my monitor. And that's where it can get confusing because if, they, if they're looking at a slightly different monitor right next to their monitor, that's when questions can come up and, yeah. and it can unsettle people. You know? so, um, the ergonomics of a room is, is so incredibly important. Yeah. Um, I remember going to a place working when I was freelancing, and sometimes I'd ask myself, you know what, I don't think I need scopes. I think I can grab that scope. And I went to a place that didn't have scopes. And it was awful. I didn't realise how much I am constantly looking at scopes. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Just, just to have that there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you go around the, I'll send you something and look at it on your iPad or your iPhone and then comment in like that? How does that work? Well, it's, it's a little bit better these days because obviously the, you know, the gamma curve on a on an iPad or, or even an iPhone is, is so much better and, and some of them, I mean I've, I've graded stuff that I've then watched on my phone and gone, you know what, that's pretty good, it's not bad. But um, oh, look, it can be, they'll send you JPEGs, like references, and uh, they'll go, yeah, make it look like this, and I say, well, cool, can you send that to me and I'll put it up on my screen? Yeah. And I put their JPEG up on my screen and they'll go, oh, that's not what we want. And so I'll end up matching off yeah. the computer. I, I had a job once where the client, <laughs> this is not an, an exaggeration, this is in Shanghai, the clients refused to come in the room. They wanted to judge everything on their computers in the kitchen under the, under fluorescent lighting and horrible, because the final, the final thing was gonna end up online. So their reasoning was, no, 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 we wanna be in that environment. And I said, well, can't you just grade it with me and then go out there afterwards and, you know, but in the kitchen? It was. Did they, they stayed there, and you just the whole shouted time. down. No, the, the, the director would come in, yeah. and then say, "Oh no, I want it to be a bit more this and a bit more that." So you tweak it, export it to a quick time. It would go back out. They'd load into the computers. They'd watch it. That went on for 17 hours, back and forth. Stop. Yeah, it was so awesome. It's like 17 hours. You did some big sessions there in terms of time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, with respect. But uh, there was a lot of working hard and not so much working smart. We were continually, and again, this is not meant to be belittling people at all, but we were continually trying to educate clients and try and say, look, there is a better way to do it, and, you know. But they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't blink at the idea of grading till seven thirty in the morning, and I had done that quite a few times. And, and of course, by then, I don't care how good you are, you can't see anything. No, green no. looks like red, and you know, they don't know either. It's it's interesting because that, that brings up that topic of the other skill of a colorist, and that is like managing a room and managing a session. Um, in America, in the States, I'm 
for the most part working on an hourly rate as I was in Australia. Uh, in China, I was working on package deals. You know, they would pay their however many, you know, thousands and thousands of RMB, uh, and that's it. You would keep grading until everyone was happy and they would come back, and uh, my producer would always describe it as a smorgasbord. You know? That is hard. I mean, you mentioned that 17-visit job. Oh, yeah. I do find that hard when people, people you know, there's a, within reason, yeah, we all want to do a good job and we'll make changes and we'll be as flexible as possible. But, and they're very much here, aren't they, about, you know, you know billing by the hour. And, you know, it's hard and it, and, it, and it really waters down the process, you know, because... because you stretch something over that period of time and it, it becomes counterproductive. You yeah. Know? So, so <laughs> you're of a certain age. You're younger than me anyway. Ooh. How do you, like, when you're trying to click with these young, trendy 25 year olds, agency people, have you got that connection there? Is that something you find quite easy or are you finding that more of a challenge as maybe you get older and you do different things? Or has that never been something you've ever thought about? I think, I think, I don't think it really comes up very often. I think we've, we've got the common goal of wanting to make the pictures look good, and that's what we're all focused on and talking about. I mean, if, if, I guess if someone was to that degree where they're posturing or they're, that that's their main focus of, of trying to be hip or looking good, then I don't know. I guess I just go with it and roll with it. I, but for the most part, I can't think of an example of that being an issue. Um, you know, usually... I think generally people appreciate that I'm really passionate about the pictures, yeah. and that seems to override it. Plus, it's really dark, so they can't tell how old I am anyway. So you know. <coughs> well, I go back to the DPs. I mean, a lot of the top DPs are older than we are. Oh yeah. And they're still working with younger directors. They're still working with hard, and they're still doing the same thing. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter what sort of connection you have, as long as you're obviously connected in with your product and what you're doing in the market. I think helps. Sort of know what you're working with, especially with advertising. But we were talking about on the walk down here about talking about Netflix and all the new shows and some of the really cool television that is attracting not only the acting talent that we're seeing in terms of the people that are now working in TV, obviously the post people, the big companies that are involved in these shows. And if you can get involved or get on one of these series, then that can be really good work. And it is good work. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed doing TV work and things like that. I'd love to get, probably get involved in a bit more of the series stuff. And I think that for the colorists, the doors have opened. If you can mingle the two between your commercials and your TV, and I think it's become closer. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, there's, and you can call it cinematic, or you can call it filmic, or whatever phrase you want to use, but. I, I think there's just a lot more aesthetically driven programming now, uh, which is incredibly satisfying. You know, I, I, I get really excited. I was watching um, uh, the, uh, the show Transparent about the transgender um, guy. I'm not a big fan of the grade necessarily, but I love the fact that they're pushing in a really different direction and creating creating this world. You know? And like anything, once you've been in that world for a while, you forget about it. You know, you're in this different place. And it's that, that thing about age, though. Um, in the world of colour grading, with the tool sets that we have and, and hopefully the skilled colourists that we have, um, you can do incredible things. And you can save some stuff that has been maybe not shot as well as it should have been. But the thing that I notice every time is if I get a veteran uh, DOP in the room, I'm not saving. 
I'm just putting a little bit of icing on the top and 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 adding to what he, he or she has already done. You know, um, yeah. uh, I had an experience. I worked on a documentary years ago, and one of the producers was uh, one, also one of the VIPs. And she said to me at the beginning of the session, she said, "Look, I was on one of the cameras. I had no idea what I'm doing." I was doing, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, just do the best you can. You know, I worked hard. It was, oh, to be fair, it was awful. It was what she shot was pretty bad. But I did it, I was quite proud. I did a really good job. At least I made the cameras meet and I, and I got it to a place where, from a continuity point of view, it was good. Her reaction to that, her response to that, was, oh my gosh, that's fantastic, that's great. That means I don't have to hire a professional VIP, I can just do it myself. And I'm going, oh, what have I done? You know, it's like, no. But, well, there is a little bit that said that about documentaries. I suppose they can be a little bit more run and gun and a bit more edgy, uh, urban, depending on the style. But I don't think I don't that. I never anymore. think it's as good. Never think it's as but good. But now people don't necessarily want their documentary. I mean, I mean that documentary I mentioned before, which is a documentary series that Wormwood of the name right. That is shot exquisitely, and it looks incredibly cinematic. And and I mean everything is the recreations actually match the interviews and. They've done a really clever thing, actually, with some of the um, archival footage. Um, they've, sh they've filmed a uh, an old, like, 1950s TV set in a very graphically designed lounge lounge room, uh, and then they've put the archival footage on that. So it's little, it's small within the frame, but they've done it as a split screen. That's on one side, and then the actual archival footage is full screen on the other split screen, and it works really well because you, you get away with. Yeah, it's clever. One or two people ask um, about whether I, when I watch a film or a television series or something like that, if I'm looking at the colour grading. And the truth is, of course, is if the story is good and the, the way it's put together is good, I pretty much don't notice it. You know? Well, I might. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go, oh, that looks great, and then I'll forget about it and get lost in the film. Yeah, no, exactly the same. I think um, one of the things I've noticed from a couple of, like, you know, we've, we've got a, a, a younger guy working with us, Jimmy Colorist, Cody, um, and there's one trait that he's got, which I recognise in, in people who are, I was going to say who are good, but, you know, they've got this thing in common, which is he's, he's, he's a searcher, he's always trying to find a better way of doing something, and he's very quick to listen to, you know, what um, other, other colours have to say, you know. Um, that thing about having confidence is hugely important, but to also have the room to step back and listen, you know, uh, no matter what stage of your career is at, you know, just yeah, step back. I, and, uh, I, it's, I say it all the time, you've got to be very all-rounded, haven't you? You've got to have a certain level of technical ability, knowing your software, you've got to be able to run a room and be a people person, you've got to be creative and know when to step up, when to step back, when to offer something in, when to go, right, you know, this is where we're going to be, when to finish off a session, so I'll close the session. There's a lot of skills in it, which... It's a balancing act, and, uh, and, and it's the kind of balancing act that I just don't know how you get to that point other than experience. You know, I, I think you have to be patient with yourself, and, and it takes time. It takes time to get that balancing act right. It does take time, and that's one of the things I do try and get through to people in the in the classes, you know, you can teach them the software, you can learn that pretty quickly, you know your way around, you know, be a wizard tracking and keyframing and all sorts of things, but actually getting the hours and just matching shots and just balancing, and that is what's going to take the time, you know, and, working with. And have the, have the restraint and the awareness to keep things simple, you know, don't get too ahead of yourself and, 
One other piece of advice. Uh, so I was I was taught by a guy, a Singaporean guy called Veggie in Complete uh, Post in Melbourne. And lovely, oh good tall God. guy. He's one. He was tall, quite a tall gentleman, mate. Curly hair. Yeah, 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 the G, yeah. Oh, he's good. He's yeah. just such a nice man. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, and one of the very first things he said to me uh, is, he said, oh, your best teacher is nature. You know, go to go to a park, look at a tree, and see how many different hues of green you can see in leaves. And I, and I know that sounds simplistic, but no. it's an incredible lesson. Every time you're out, just look around you and yeah. you know, look at colour, look at hue, look at skin tones, look at you know. Yeah. Um, I had a, a wonderful experience when I was still in film days. And a friend of mine, a director friend of mine, was doing a whole lot of uh, stuff for World Vision. And he travelled all around Africa shooting 16 mil, shooting all these spots. And he came back with, oh, I don't know, rolls and rolls and rolls of 16 mil from all over Africa. So I had two weeks of grading uh, black, black skin tones, purple black skin tones, yellow black skin tones, all these wonderful hues of, of skin. And it was, oh man, it, it was brilliant. It was really, really you know. Well, there's my 16 mil, 8 mil story. Uh, anyone's probably heard a bit more. Snowboarding show. Out in the snow, bright sunshine, 8 mil, 16 mil black presenter. Mate, I earned my show? I earned my money on that show. Yeah, yeah. man, that was a challenge. Super 8. They shot Super oh Eight. Ma mainly his to cameras was about 16 mil. The Super Eight was montage yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah that was uh, that was oh an issue. But I agree with you. It's about it's about experiencing. Yeah. Like if you're not experiencing something, then it's hard to be able to waffle that. You know, you've been there or you've seen that sky or you've seen the smog in those like in China and you know what the light is like there. You're mentioning the different light that's here and how things photograph differently. All that adds into that bank of experience that you've had and what you can offer up and go, oh, we'll do that. Yeah. Well, I did a, I mentioned to you earlier that I, I just finished a documentary about Dionne Warwick, the musician, uh, an African-American singer, and it was really bloody interesting. But, um, I, I, and that was a semi-remote grade. So basically I was remote, remoting insofar as I was sitting stills and then eventually the director was going to come in for the last session. You know? Yeah. So I did, I did all the interview stuff with, uh, the main star, Dion Warwick, and sent that off, and he, and he and the director said, "Oh, you've nailed it. That's exactly right." And I went, "Oh, great!" So off I went and did all her all her shots, and then there was a whole lot of other interviews with like Stevie Wonder and all these other um, amazing musicians. And then he came in for the session, and he went, "Yeah, yeah, this person, like this particular, um, like Smokey Robinson or whatever, his skin's more like this." And 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 I went, "Ah!" Oh. And as we were grading, I was going, "That looks really red." Cool, lovely. And yeah, so the, the director came in and said, yeah, like these interviews you did with Dion, they're great, but these other presenters, you know, this guy needs so much more red in his skin, and, and I went, okay, oh, all right, I thought I got it, but all right. And, uh, and you know, experienced colorist here, you know, I know yeah. my stuff, but I don't have much experience, well, I didn't have much experience with African-American skin tones. And by the time, with, with this particular guy, I think it was Smokey Robinson or one of those guys, maybe Chris Jones, and to me, I was going, are you sure that looks really red, you know? And uh, he said, no, that's, that's, that's right, actually. That's what he looks like. And, like oh. and these were all new interviews? This is archive stuff? No, these are current interviews. Current interviews, you know? yeah. And, um, and, and, and I had to say multiple times, I said, look, are you sure, man? I've just got to tell you, to me, he looks too red, you know? And, and the director was saying, no, 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 that's right. And I went, all right, fine, you know? We went through. The next day I came in, 
and as usual, fresh eyes. Yeah. And I went, oh, it actually, looks, it actually does look natural. And, and but I, I just had a, I've had three years of grading Asian Chinese skin tones and you know, different skin tones, and, and which don't have as much red in. And so, again, every day you're learning. Every day you. Have, so, and it was, uh, you know, I've graded a few things up in Asia. And I think there's, there's normally a push, and we see a lot of their advertising and their billboardings. They're billboards and things, a lot of Caucasian people, a lot of Western people in their advertising. Uh-huh. And when you're grading Asian people, is there a constant to try and make people look a little bit more neutral, a little bit less in the skin tones? Is there definite, are they very, are they very particular about the skin tones of the talent in their adverts? Incredibly so. And, and so now I, you know, the, what, one of the prime skills of a colorist is um, the skills of diplomacy. So now I need to answer that question using my, my best skill, which is diplomacy. Um, and the reason I prefix that dramatically is because one of the first or second sessions there I was grading and the client was saying, no, 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 this is in China. So like, no, 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 we want, we want the skin's much whiter, much whiter. And I'm going, oh, okay. And, uh, and they kept saying, no, no, much whiter. And so almost as a joke, I went, what, like this? And I, and I went really extreme. And I went, yeah. And I, and I actually stopped and I went, are you serious? And one of my clients said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're quite racist. Really? And that's what they said to me. Now, that was an extreme 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 version but the general rule of thumb was they yeah. like very very pale skin tones uh, in Asia and China um, on top of that then once it's broadcast because I don't know what they do with broadcasting all over there but then everything just pretty much looks like black and white because it's so everything's so blown out on air and it's but yeah it was it, it was confronting for me it was hard to it's interesting, isn't it, that, that thing about working around your own personal aesthetic but yet wanting to please a client. Um, and numerous times I was having to push way past where I felt comfortable. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're in a service industry. We, we need to provide what the client wants and what you know, they know their audiences and they'd hope. So. But yeah, was, I'm guessing you know, you're going to be speaking to a whole range of colorists from around the world. Do you have an expectation about what you're going to hear, about what you're going to... I really don't know. I'm interested in what leads people to different territories and working in different places. I know that some colorists you know, like would work in Australia or they've worked in London and they haven't moved too much and they've worked in the same place and they've been there for a long time. Other people have moved around, others have just stuck in commercials for a long time, others have mixed it up and gone in and done long form as well. So I think it's a really exciting time and it's, you know, it's about the opportunities and I think though the US is probably not one of the hardest, it's one of the hardest places to come and work, free visas and green cards and things, and there's obviously a lot of cutters, but I think if you really set your mind to it and you can try and you can apply and you can knock on the doors and you really want to do that, now I think there's an opportunity for it for anywhere, not just here, but go to another location. You know, you may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, and you always are, but I think that's when you produce good work, because you're totally on your toes. And then you're totally going to be out there, and the experience you can gather from that, from going to another country, you're living in a different place, you're working with different people, you're working with different clients, you are going to gather so much from that, and come out of that, not only a better colorist, but a better person. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's um, so. How if you're a person who, whether by choice or circumstance, you are just in the one place or the one country or whatever, how do you think you could create that 
learning curve if you're stuck in the same place you know that like you say there are colorists living in the same place for years and years and years but they're still uh, providing fresh work and you know i think they just really love it yeah they'd have to you know long hours in the same place and you know they used to say oh the same drive to work or the same walk to work or the same four walls and that used to get get me down a little bit yeah. uh, but you know, if you really yeah. like it and you enjoy a job, and of course every job is particularly different. That's the other thing. It's good. What are you drinking, Vince? I, I have no idea. I just said something lagery. It's not German, is it? It's not Stella. It's not Belgian. No, no, I think, I think it's American. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can get more information about our training at iColorist.com or you can subscribe to the podcast through your normal podcast providers. Thank you.